You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. And he is still with us. We're thankful for that. It's been a while, my friend, at least from a podcasting standpoint. How are you? It's good to see you, Marty. I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. How are you guys? Bruce, are you healthy and alive? I am indeed. Excellent. And Johnny, you're looking, um, well, well moisturized as usual. Well moisturized. <laughs> moisturized. Seriously. Got lovely, lovely shiny bits. Just just where your hairline recedes it's marvelous but but see those are the those are the studio lights that are above me here that's that's what's causing that so see if i put like my hand here you see how that kind of yeah so there's a there's a light here there's a light over there and then there's a light back there and over there and then no you're you're glowing mate i don't know i I have to i have to be i i have to i have to be in in proper shape if i'm going to sit here and do this because i know how much you appreciate it He's it, it, now it. See, he's pregnant. That's what it is. He's got the pregnant glow about him. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, that you can yeah. do that now as a dude. Yes. Yeah, it's what you, you can you do. Can be, that's, yeah. that's right. That, that yeah. is what they they used to say, wasn't it? That um, pigs sweat, men perspire, and ladies glow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's apropos of nothing. So move on. Well, I can uh, I can clue you into my uh, my regimen if you like. Um, I can I can help you out with that uh, if you're interested. Now, one, of, one of the great things about getting older and um and being in uh you know a steady long-term relationship is it doesn't really matter what you look like <laughs> you know i i look at I, I yeah i see your point but i i look at a lot of people that i see out in public and it's like i mean I, i've seen uh you know e- even single people you look at them and you're like wow do you care <laughs> it's like you- do you not have a mirror in your house yeah um but this is one of the things about this long-term lockdown. I used to go into the office daily or visiting various different places. And even if I was going to wind up in coveralls and a hard hat and a high-vis vest, when I went in to work, I'm wearing a suit, a tie, a nicely pressed shirt and polished shoes. There's no point anymore. I haven't worn a suit for over a year. So what's going on? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, well, actually, my suits will all be too small for me now because I've lost weight. Sorry, too big. Too, too big, big for too you. Small. Yeah, too big yeah. for you. Well, it's uh, it's good to know that you're uh, that you're still with us and uh, glad you're back. Uh, hasn't Thank quite you. been the same around here without you. And I know that the listeners have missed you. We picked up a lot of new listeners too, a lot of new UK listeners as well. So, are you, are you sure that's because I wasn't there? okay you got me on that one yeah you got me on that we suddenly if uh, if listener numbers suddenly drop off a cliff we'll know why yeah Um, actually you're you're the fan favorite as opposed to uh, a lot of the other you know a lot of the other people they they always say well when's uh when's the english guy coming back on when's marty gonna come back on i'm like i i don't know well i'm here now and i should be back regularly for from now on um i was a little unwell as you know but i'm feeling much better now however I have just noticed that in the light in my studio uh, and from this angle that the camera's at, I've got 
I look like Homer Simpson. I, no, I, you don't. No, you I, don't. I, 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 trust me, I do. It's, it's You're not bald. I, very nearly. Very nearly. No, um, you got a full head of hair. No, no. I see what he's saying. No, no. Just, yeah. just like blow the nose, like just yeah. the mouth area. That oh, bit there, I got that, that, that bit right there. It looks. I need to sort the chin out. I'll have to do some exercises. I don't know. You can actually exercise the neck and chin muscles by eating. That's the best I was way to say. Do. Yeah, it's called eating usually. But, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. Let's let's go ahead and, uh, and and start with some UK stuff. We've been holding some UK stuff back because of you know obviously our our, our native UK expert wasn't here to keep us informed as to what's going on on the uh, the island over there. But I found it interesting that a lot of what's been happening over there has been unreported. No one's really been talking about it. It was like all of a sudden, everything in the UK just went dark. And I was talking to Ned about it a day or two, and he was telling me everything that was going on. And then I saw what was happening. I actually was able to get a Sky News feed out of the UK, and I started watching it. And I thought, this is really strange. This would make sense now. Rather than talk about all the other events that are going on with COVID around the West and around the world, they decided to turn their attention inward. And they started to talk about different strains in different parts of the country over there, basically trying to create divides and walls within the nation itself. And I thought that was rather interesting because we've been looking at some of the vaccination rates and it's just not quite there. The U.S. at the moment has the highest one. I think they're looking around 10 vaccinations per 100 citizens on average. The Europeans, by and large, really aren't taken to it. The Germans especially, they're not taken to it. They're around three people per 100 for vaccinations. And now miraculously, they're saying, oh, we might have to have another lockdown because of a third wave. No, you're not accepting the vaccines. You're not accepting the COVID passports to, to come out of the, uh, the lockdown. That's what it is. You're being held hostage. So I'm wondering if they're doing the same thing in the UK. Is that something that they're pushing in the UK? Are they pressing COVID vaccine passports? I understand that that's something that they're talking about bringing the UK in on. I haven't heard anything concrete along those lines, but all of the media social media, mainstream media, TVs, newspaper, radio is pushing the vaccine as as our way out of lockdown. You know, we're a country of 68 million people. The first people to get vaccinated were the over 80s. Then they moved into the 70-year-olds. Uh, now people of my age group, um, you know, 50 to 60, are, are being offered the vaccine. What, hold on. What's that got to do with you? You're only 25. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, but I'm extremely vulnerable, apparently. But uh, I've already called them back and said, no, thank you very much. And some people have had persuaders call them after they've, uh, you know, declined the vaccine to ask them why and to talk about it and so on. Obviously, in my region, either I'm not worth persuading or they, are, they simply don't have the resources to, to send people around and chase people up. But I have heard stories of people being coerced, um, albeit all pleasantly, and, you know, to have the vaccine. So one of our few politicians, and is it Henry Swain, Sir Henry Swain? Uh, Sir Desmond Swain. Sir Desmond Swain. He was full of rhetoric about anti-COVID restrictions and uh, it was crazy that we're doing this and doing that. Well, he allegedly has had his first vaccination today, although the photograph that he's put onto his social media pages, you can't actually see the needle. It looks like you know the needle's covered by the hand 
of the person giving the vaccine and he's lost everyone's respect it looks like it, it you know he wasn't the only conservative that hasn't sold their soul to the new world order we all thought he was on side and someone worth listening to but as he's decided to have this vaccine today allegedly because we can't see the needle going in he's lost a lot of respect yeah they are pushing it yeah they're pushing it because they don't have anything else left they, they've got to uh, they got to go full force with it that's just it it's just they're not giving people a choice they're not being honest with people they're just saying you're going to take this um no i'm sorry we we don't operate like that we don't operate like that you might have a lot of the sheep fooled out there to do that but now they're going to restrict your travel for not doing it and they'll squeeze down on it in other ways too that's just the next phase in this agenda that's all that is i, I was explaining it yesterday this is the carrot and the stick so first it was well we just need you to lock down for 14 days you, you notice you give in to this then it just gets worse well the vaccines out there just like bruce always says it's like holding dangling something out there this is your way out this is your way out but it's not it's not so first it was, we just need 14 days to flatten the curve. Then it was, well, we don't need masks, but yes, we do. Yes, we do. So we got to do those. We need to mask. We need to social distance until we get a vaccine. Then it's over. The vaccine shows up. Oh, no, look at all these variants we have now. And then, of course, you're going to get on to the next thing. Well, see, those vaccines, they work for the variants. You remember how they were saying that? Now they're saying those don't work. Now you need all new ones. And then, well, if you take the vaccine, well, you're still going to have to lock down. You're still going to have to wear masks. You're still going to have to social distance. Oh, and you can't travel now unless you have this. But unless you have the right one, then you're not going to get a renewed green pass. See what it is? It's just the next thing. And this is being offered as a way. Well, this is your way out. No, no, that's not your way out. You give in, it gets worse. That's the catch 22 on this one. Yeah, the absolute crux of it for me is I do not trust what the vaccine is actually, how it works and what it's actually trying to achieve. I want to travel. I want to go to some places in the very near future for vacation. I am expecting to be denied that because I will not have been vaccinated. So it won't necessarily be the UK government that are stopping that. It will be the countries I intend to visit. I think that's part and parcel, particularly in Europe, because the EU is in lockstep with the UN. The UN um, is um, preaching the, the advice of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is overrun with the Chinese Communist Party. And the QR you know, code agenda for the vaccine passports is coming right out of Xi Jinping from the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> it was amusing the other day when... Uh, Downing Street did an announcement about the rollout of the vaccine and how it was working and how many people had been vaccinated and what the plan was next. And it was a press conference. The guy who, <laughs> the guy, the highly qualified doctor who um, was given this advice to the country, his name is Wei Shen Lim. And I have no doubt that he's a very sincere and dedicated doctor. I just wondered if the government had even thought for a second about the impact of having a clearly Chinese man with a Chinese accent while speaking English, delivering this information to the populace on the impact on trust, on, on whether or not that accept what he's saying. So if you're already sceptical and concerned about uh, China's influence as it spreads across the entire face of the planet, 
was he the right man to deliver that message? I got accused of being a racist by by people on social media when I made this comment. I really must get off social media because it's an absolute cesspool. But I um I stood my ground. I said it's not racist. I'm merely asking a question. Did the government consider the impact of having a Chinese man deliver this information on the people who are already skeptical about the vaccine? So you know, we we spoke a little while back. Was it two and a half million people on the leaked document or the the leaked data file uh, that were? CCP members that was, are working all over the world? Yeah, it was about 2 million. It was like 1.97 million people or something yeah. like that. No one's said anything further about that. There's been in no news. You were talking earlier about what's in the news. The only thing that's in the news in the UK is COVID, 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 COVID. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Steady diet of propaganda, yep. Yeah, there's absolutely no other news. Nothing else is happening in the world, apparently. Mm-hmm. You say you were having an argument with people on social media about the uh, clearly person of Asian heritage, not saying he was from China, could have been from somewhere else. But um, the person that was there, of course, by the name, I guess that kind of gives it away, doesn't it? But you're you're saying, well, that did, didn't anyone in the government stop and think about the implications of trust? Well, my counter to that argument would have been, we can sit here, we can go back and forth about this all day long, but let's think about what got us to this point. Boris Johnson met with Bill and Melinda Gates on a number of occasions before all of this even started. So let's look at the actual rollout from the beginning. Who's been pulling the strings from the start in the UK? And I would argue it's not Boris Johnson. And it's certainly not this individual that they put up there the other day of uh, Chinese origin. He, again, is just another player. Where do you think that all of this agenda is coming from? Do you think these politicians at number 10 and in Westminster are smart enough to pull this off? No disrespect, but I don't believe so. He's, by comparison, he's quite a clever chap, is Boris. And I have to admit, I voted for him in the general election or I voted for the Conservative Party in the general election because I wanted to get out of Europe. And it seemed that was the only option. If we'd have gone with Labour, there would have been another referendum. If the Lib Democrats, who stood no chance at all, the snowball's chance in hell, basically, of being elected, had have been elected, um, they were going to immediately cancel Article 50 and revert us back straight into the EU. So the only option I had, Hobson's choice, was to vote for Boris. I sincerely regret that now. And I've said this before. I've heard him say, build back better whilst clasping his hands together in that fashion that they do. And it's such a clear indication that he's part of the plan of the Great Reset. And this is where we are. Earlier on, before we started recording, we were talking about how do we get out of this? How does this end? And I'm, I'm coming down on Bruce's side. I don't see how it can end when we've got no one in the body politic that is actually straight, that is actually thinking about the constituents, the the voters, the the people of the country. All they're thinking about is the plan or how to get their failing party elected. And they're still scoring petty points against each other in the UK government. Anyway, you'd think with a pandemic, sorry, plandemic, uh, scamdemic going on, that they would all fall into line and work together. But no, that petty point scoring is still happening. You know, I think if you if you, you you look at some of the online trends, shall we say, 
we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the politicians to be able to fix this problem. Well, they're not the solution. They're the problem. You know, and again, they're just puppets. Okay, so I'm well aware of that. Obviously, we know there's a bigger problem behind the scenes. But on the surface, that's what people see. That's what people know, because that's been the, the baseline of our democratic systems. So we're looking at politicians to fix this problem. They're not the solution to this problem. Everyone's looking for the cavalry, right? Everyone's looking for the cavalry. Well, you know what? There ain't any cavalry. There's no there's no one that's going to come in here and ride in like a white knight on some white horse or whatever. It's not going to happen like that. To the larger point, when Klaus Schwab, for example, or the World Economic Forum in general, doesn't necessarily have to be him. But when they put out their videos and their information across Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is, look at the backlash that they get. They're hated. They're hated. The online mobs are supposed to be for them. They're in the process with big tech to shut down all opposing viewpoints, right? But yet when you look at their messages that they put out, they're ridiculed. They're laughed at. Yeah, there, there's enough people there online, social justice warriors or just people who want common sense to be expressed on social media. But what I've noticed on Twitter, every now and again, the UN, is it Antonio Gutierrez? Yes. General Secretary putting out tweets, and I've questioned everyone. I've said, you know, I've, I've basically put a counter argument to whatever he's put forward. My tweets on lesser mortals' Twitter feeds get seen by 100, 150, 200 people. Four, four people are seeing the tweets that I put onto um, the, you know, the General Secretary of the United Nations, Antonio Gutierrez. You can't tell me that. I should be getting a bit more views than that, even accidentally, if um, such a, a high-profile individual has tweeted and someone's replied to it, as people scan down through the Twitter feed, even accidentally. But no, they definitely are blocking negative comments. So everyone spouting off against politicians and criticising governments, your messages are not being seen. They are not being seen by the masses. So... The ones that are on side with these puppets, the sheeple, they don't get to see most of what other people are saying. So they think, oh, they must be okay. It must be right. And I think that's what's happening. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on this, though. And I don't mean that in, in, in an aggressive, I mean, to them, the, the politic, those that are engaged in this great reset, they don't care what you think. They already have the people that they need to enact this system. Now they're just doing it. And whether you like it or not, they know it's better for you. And they're going to line their pockets at the same time. They don't care what we have to say or think about it. You're going to be happy about it. Yeah. I do um, have, we, I do have, before we, on that point, I do have a clip of dear old Klaus. It's been a while since we've heard from Klaus. Oh, I, I do have Klaus, yes. Yeah, yeah. I do have a clip of, of dear old <laughs> Yeah. I heard this clip yesterday and I started, it's only about 30 seconds. I started laughing about halfway through it because he's just going on about how we need to end, immediately end this old system we had after the war. And it's like, well, hold on a second here, Joker. You're the one that broke that system. Okay, that system is not the problem. The problem is people like that that are in the system that are facilitating how the system operates and that have wrecked the system. The system we had was fine. As a matter of fact, if you want to get technical about it, the closest example, and this is mainline history, anybody can go and look this up, the closest example that we have within our lifetime of what we would consider to be laissez, true laissez-faire capitalism would be what happened in West Germany after 
the war. And see, my point to that is, is that there's nothing wrong with the system. The system was working just fine until these corporate henchmen came in and decided that they were going to turn around and break the system along with the big finance companies that, by the way, I'd like to add, went bust 12 years ago. I just like to throw that out there. So by us allowing those institutions to still exist, yes, they're going to have the Great Reset. They're going to have it, but it's going to be based on fraud. And that's the key is it's all based on fraud. It's based on a fraudulent system that they hijacked and created using our wealth, our prosperity and our goodwill in order to do it. Now, does that mean that they're going to be able to hang on to it in the future? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's just one man's opinion. But let's hear what dear old Klaus had to say about our current broken system and how bad it is. And of course, he also weighs in on the election, too, in this little clip on how great it is that we have a, a new president in the U.S. that's going to strengthen multilateralism, right? Which means you're going to end the U.S. and the, the West's superpower status. And yeah, it's going to strengthen multilateralism, meaning they're going to transfer all their investments and, and power and whatever they got left over to communist China, where they have investments to leverage us out and shut us down. That's what it's about. But let's take a listen to Klaus. I think also here we need a reset. We cannot go back to the system of multilateralism, which we have established after World War II. Um, what we need is a reform of the international system. Just think of the WTO. Uh, we have to integrate uh, the new dimensions of global trade, like um, everything which has to do with e-commerce and so on. So um, definitively, uh, Multilateralism will get the boost by the election of um, President uh, Biden. So see, they're going to have to go through and they're going to have to revamp everything. All E-Trade is going to have to now come under their control from which they don't control. Oh, by the way, that includes all of your cryptocurrencies as well. When he's talking about how we're going to have to revamp the World Trade Organization. So all that's going to have to go away. Everything with E-Trade is going to have to be reformed. All of the free market systems we know that we've had established for the last 70 years, all that has to go away. Everything. And because you're getting rid of all that, you're going to have to change all the banking infrastructure, You're get, which, by the way, like I said, that should have collapsed. That should have gone bust. If we would have let that system go 12 years ago, yes, we would have taken a hit. We would have taken a hit. But here's the other key part to that. These people wouldn't be around here today. These hunchback slugs wouldn't be here today. They would have gone down the road when the system collapsed back in 2008. Something for the British listener, because it only really applies to the UK. The government uh, in, in the recent budget announced that they were going to encourage banks to offer 95% mortgages because people are struggling to save big enough deposits to get onto the property ladder uh, and so on. And and a lot of people are going to be jumping for joy. Same as they did in the US, right before yeah, the housing crisis. Exactly. If we're right, and our suspicion is that what they want is a population of thralls of zero assets, the fastest way to do it is take what little bit of money they've got in terms of their deposit, have them take out a mortgage that they cannot afford to pay back, and then repossess that property. And, and that's exactly what's, what's going to happen to a lot of people who are going to take advantage of this new government incentive. And yeah, they are, they are broke. They're, they're broke. But within that system that we've had for 70 years, if you work hard and you save your money in a safe place, don't get greedy and don't invest it on the stock market, 
you can wind up with a certain degree of self-sufficiency and own your own property. You could even get fabulously wealthy, but that's not what they want because the money isn't there anymore. Like you said, those organizations went bust in 2008 and the taxpayer, people like me, people like yourselves across the globe bailed them out. It was our money, our wealth that bailed those organizations out. Now, if they do this great reset, all that debt for those companies that have gone bust and then been bailed out, they're going to have to cancel it. They're going to have to cancel all of that debt. And then the only thing that's going to be worth anything is bricks and mortar and land. And that's why Gates is buying up so much of uh, American farmland at the moment, because he's got the money and he knows which way things are swinging. It's the same with all of these, uh, I believe the phrase you use were disruptive technologies that have been invented and then firmly shut in a box until these shadowy bastards uh, have got enough invested in it so that they're the ones and only them are the ones that are going to make any money out of electric cars, out of autonomous vehicles, out of other types of energy. They've held it back. They haven't allowed it to happen until they've got control of who makes the money out of it. You remember the big scandal of uh, how we had some politicians that did some insider trading here recently? And, you know, there was a big, they, they put money into PPE and, and you know, yeah, right before all this. Feinstein um, and Senator Loeffler, yeah. all the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. Do you, do, you, uh, do you hear what Pelosi invested in here two weeks before Biden started doing the whole, uh, you know, electric cars and getting rid of petroleum and all that it kind of stuff? Was, it was her husband, wasn't it? He bought invested in a whole, Tesla. Yeah, bought a whole bunch of stock in Tesla and he made a whole bunch of money. Yeah, a whole million dollars is what they invested into it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, the, they were talking two years ago because I remember driving in, in my old car on the way into work and the discussion was how can Tesla be worth what it's worth when it only produces 120 vehicles a year at the moment or, or back then? How can it be worth what it's worth? How can its shares be trading at such a high level against Ford, for instance? And now Ford have decided that all of their vehicles produced in Europe are going to be electric. We had the same thing just recently as well with um, our health secretary um, giving contracts to his mates. And it's all been hushed up and brushed under the under the carpet. You know, it, it was on the news for 30 seconds and then gone. So. It's happening in all of Western, you know, um, civilizations at the moment. Politicians are lining their pockets. I used to be so proud of my country, uh, my police force, our armed forces. Well, you should be. You should be proud of your country. Not I, anymore, I, mate. Not no, it's anymore. Not, it's, no, look, I got to stop you there. I, I got to stop you there. I could very easily say the same thing about mine, but that's not true. I'm proud of my country. I'm not proud of my government. The issue is that we think it's the country that votes the government in. And we just haven't been smart enough. We haven't seen through, you know, the, the best place to hide a, a good lie is in between two pieces of truth. And I'm pretty sure that's um, lesson one in the politician's handbook. And we haven't seen through the lies. That's the problem. Boris Johnson is a liar. However, the reason he ma managed to get elected as prime minister is because the choices 
that the country had were so poor. And again, in this in in the UK, just like in the US, people were mostly slavishly either right wing and conservative or left wing and Labour. And people have voted that way. And that, that's one of the things that they relied on to make sure that the puppets got into power. They knew that there'd be X amount of Labour MPs in the Houses of Parliament and X amount of Conservative MPs and Conservative was go- going to win. So they didn't have to bribe, coerce, blackmail, encourage the whole party they just had to do the leaders. And that's exactly what they've done. All right. So I, I tell you what I want to do. So on that point, and, and that's a good point uh, that you're talking about. Now, I, f- I found this really interesting. This came out the other day and I was holding it until you got here. We've talked about uh, London Mayor Sadiq Khan. We've talked about him before. And he's not exactly the most popular character at the moment because of everything that's gone on during COVID with all the lockdowns and everything. But that's going to pose a little bit of a problem because he has an election coming up. And I know that's there are some people, Is it, correct me if I'm wrong, is his sister running against him? Did I actually hear that right? I heard his sister was running. I'm not sure if she's running against him or if she is planning to run once he steps down um, or if he stepped down as as mayor or took himself out, out of the election. So no. I'm, I'm not he's, entirely sure. He's not looking to step down. In fact, he's looking to bolster his position. He is demanding mail-in voting for the mayoral election coming up in London uh, here in the coming uh, in the coming days. The regular elections were canceled because of <clears throat> COVID. And so we know what mail-in voting does to elections, case in point, in the U.S. But now it seems as though they're going to pull the same. Smashingly. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? No problems with that whatsoever. Now they're going to try and do this exact same thing over in London. I think it's because old boy's not going to make it back in office. Um, he penned a letter to the Constitution Minister Chloe Smith, and he demanded that the government fund the distribution of postal voting forms to every household in the areas having elections this May. He says, I am still concerned at the potential for lower voter turnouts, given the circumstances which the elections will be held. We know that the virus disproportionately affects BAME people. I, I don't BAME, know. BAME, Black, Asian, Middle Eastern, ethnicity. Oh, they actually have a thing for it now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yes, it is. Look, Sadiq Khan pandered to the Muslim vote within London, and there's nothing easier for someone of that faith to, what's the word I'm looking for, to ingratiate themselves with the various imams of the various mosques within London. Those prayer meetings, I believe, haven't been happening because they've been stopped under the COVID restrictions. Have they stopped? Have they closed the mosques as well? I'm not entirely sure, but churches have been closed. I understand. So if if the mosques haven't been closed and the synagogues haven't been closed, then that's a problem because that's discrimination i understand so, that's why i'm asking been that way it's been that way in the u.s um many yeah. places that have mosques are still open but the churches and synagogues are closed. right yeah that, that's so, why i was asking because in the so u.s he, they're they're playing the other game yeah so sadiq khan relied heavily on the muslim block vote which was organized through the various mosques we talked about you know how the rest of the world follows what what happens in the u.s and He's seen or already knew that mail-in voting would be easily corrupted. And I despise the man. I really do despise the man. It's got nothing to do with his faith. It's got to do with him. 
because there he is, uh, a suit-wearing, upper-middle-class British Pakistani, and he's been there at rallies with ISIS flags flying in the back, talking to large audiences of the Muslim faithful, and hasn't condemned ISIS, ISIL, whatever you want to call them, Daesh. They don't like being called Daesh, apparently. That's what the um, Emiratis and the Saudis call them. So, yeah, he's trying it on. He, he, he's doing everything he can to to um, keep hold of the uh, purse strings of London and the power that it gives him, because the Lord Mayor of London is is a significant, or the Mayor of London, I should say, is a significant position, and it carries a lot of power and influence. So it's no surprise that he's trying this on. I was telling Bruce the other day, I said the mayor of London is, I mean, that's like being president of a small country. I mean, that's a major world city, not just a, a major city in the UK, but that's a major world city. That's one of the largest financial hubs in the world. So yeah, it, uh, it is a big deal. Well, I, what I've noticed about world capitals is the people of the country tend not to live inside those capitals. And that means that either really, really rich people or people who are on zero hour contracts and just like the uh, the Scots keep voting the SNP in because the Scottish Nationalist Party and Nicola Sturgeon spends money hand over fist, the Scots vote SNP not because they necessarily want to be independent from the United Kingdom, but because they know that a Scottish Nationalist Party government in, in Holyrood House will spend lots and lots of money on services that the country needs. So Mr Khan... I'm pretty sure he's making all kinds of promises to get those block votes. We'll just have to see. And, and he's probably made good on a lot of them. But the money that the um, that the capital is hemorrhaging um, in overspend is enormous. And the the way in which the Metropolitan Police, which the Lord, uh, which the Mayor of London is in control of, the way they've acted uh, as stormtroopers, basically in in the whole COVID thing in terms of protests, all of the protests that have happened in the last year and a half, the Met have have behaved fairly badly in stamping on them because they don't comply with the narrative that Mayor Khan has. Yeah, it was the same thing that we saw when uh, in the early days when we last summer when we saw the issues with the uh, the monuments. I mean, BLM and Antifa would show up and the Met would leave them alone or they would back off from them, but some vets would show up and uh, they would throw down with the police. And it's like, fellas, you're, you're on the wrong side here. It wasn't veterans that were throwing down with the police. They was were, it not? No, 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 no. It was the likes of your English Defence League and your National Oh, yeah, okay. okay. And those guys. My mistake. My mistake. The, the two sides of that toxic coin, extreme left, extreme right, fascist, anti-fascist. Yeah. The veterans went there to protect the monuments, and they were... Subject to kettling, which is the tactic that the Met uses to keep opposite protests apart. But in doing so, they were antagonizing, I, I assume, both parts of, of or both sides of the protest. Yeah. And, and, and there were outbreaks of, of violence, but that largely came from either the anti fascists or the English Defence League and the um, the National Front. And yeah, I mean, National that, Front is an old term, but right. it's those types of people who've got, they wouldn't even get in the armed forces because they've Fair. usually got criminal records to begin with. And they're not the kind of people that you need in a professional armed, armed service. So 
it wasn't the vets, mate. Okay, my mistake. I, I guess I was more thinking along the lines of the uh, the protest in Trafalgar Square as well. Uh, the ones that have been down that have been peaceful. And then, of course, the police round on them and rough them up a bit and stomp on people. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I mean, I understand what they're being told to do, but there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. I know UK police officers, and so do you. We know the same ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I just don't get that sentiment coming from them. We've known them for a long time. No, and they, they, they deep down in, within their own mi- mind and their, their own opinions – they don't like what they're being forced to do either, but they they are in a trap. They've they've worked hard to get into the police force to begin with. It's a very arduous job to actually get into in the first place. There's there, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Some of them, the older ones, they're in a pension trap. If they don't do what they're told, they'll lose their pensions. Um, so you know you, you can kind of understand. Even if you don't like it, you can understand why they continue to carry out what I would consider unlawful orders and not conduct themselves in the way that they they would do if they had the choice. So, again, I think Khan has got a lot to answer for in terms of how he's made the Met behave. Yeah. Let's talk about why he wants to do the mail-in voting. Of course, he's made his intentions clear, but... um we all know that the excuse behind this is going to be COVID, right? It's the same thing as that they use in the States, right? It's the same thing they used in the States was, well, we we have COVID, so we've got to have all these voting provisions in place and we have to change everything and we need mail-in voting and we can't have people observing because we need to social distance and, and all the rest of it. But is it really COVID? Is it really COVID? Is it really that flu-like disease that is the problem? Is that really what it is? Is it really that we're seeing a resurgence of, of COVID in the UK? Is it really what's going on? Because an article today that was passed to me from somebody over here, um, and thank you for that, by the way, shows that not a single case of flu, not one, has been detected by public health officials in England this year. We're three months into the new year. Not a single, we're in cold and flu season. We're on the way out of it. We're on the upswing of it. Not a single case of the flu. Now, gentlemen, I I don't know about you, but we've had the flu, we've had the influenza virus make a resurgence every year for the last hundred years. Now, all of a sudden, it just happens to disappear. Well, the argument that they would put forward, that would be those that um, have promoted this atmosphere of fear and and restriction, is that the, the restrictions have actually prevented infection. I ask the question when I was in hospital a little while ago of the staff, what has happened to flu? And their honest answer was, oh, no, we, we haven't seen any cases of it. And what an answer. What, what an answer. You're a hospital employee. You're a nurse. You're a doctor. You're, you're a medical professional. And all of a sudden, you just accept the fact that, well, the flu is just not here. You don't question that as a medical professional. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not speaking only- of you, obviously. You're not a medical professional. But my question to them, obviously, that probably wasn't going through your head at the time. I think you were trying to Oh, no, it was going through my head. It was going through your head. I was was deliberately not being antagonistic. It's very difficult to ask these questions uh, of people. Did you you hand them business cards? Did did you pass them podcast business cards? Did did you do that? (laughs) I'm afraid afraid they weren't in the clothes that I went to the hospital in. In fact, um, by the time I was asking those questions, I was in completely different clothes. 
um, that they provided. I won't go into detail as to why, but it wasn't pleasant. You have to be careful how you ask these questions because people are, some people are constantly on the lookout for things to be offended about. And if I said the wrong thing, all of a sudden, I wouldn't be getting a cup of tea or or I'd get the cold dinner um, or, or I was in hospital for five days. So I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to um, annoy the ward staff, but I did I want to ask some questions. I understand. I, I would have and, just simply said subtly, don't you find that odd? And I would have gone on about my business. Yeah. But that's um, me. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, no that, that's fine. But um, of course, there's been flu. Of course, the other flu viruses that we all have our flu jabs for, because they were very keen to get us all to have the normal flu jab, which I declined again this year. I, I had it last year. I didn't have it this year, deliberately. Everything has just been scooped up and put into the category of COVID-19. And of course, there have been cases of influenza, the ones that have been around for a very long time and have kept mutating. But the way in which the virus works and looks and appears under a microscope and shows up in different types of tests is going to match influenza. And uh, I, I think that's that's the, the, the real reason why there's been no flu. It's because there has been flu, but it's just been called COVID. Uh, I wanted to uh, counter the argument that the left typically does. You know, when you ask them, where's the flu been? They'll say, well, it's the social distancing. It's the mask wearing. It's the hand washing. It's all that. That the reason that that has disappeared. If that is true, that also means COVID had to have disappeared as well. And all the other uh, respiratory diseases that we uh, deal with, they should have all disappeared. But the opposite is true. The, the influenza has disappeared, but COVID has skyrocketed when we started doing those social distancing, mask wearing and hand washing. When we started doing all that and then the shutdowns and all that, the lockdowns, they all, we, we've seen the numbers skyrocket. I mean, if you look at here in, in the United States, you have states that have not locked down at all. Uh, South Dakota had, um, I believe, 600 was the highest number of people they had in the hospital for influenza-like symptoms or COVID and whatever you want to call it. And then you had places like California and New York, or New York especially, was the worst in the world there for a while. And they had one of the strictest. I think they were the second strictest or third strictest in the U.S. on, on, on COVID. So... Yeah, that that would be the the counterpoint to that, the, in my opinion. It, it, the science that we're being preached or having preached to us supports the the first argument that it's been the social distancing and so on. But the facts that you just described tell a completely different story. The virus itself, according to the New Scientist magazine, which I think I've got in that drawer down there, it appears to have parts of HIV spliced into it and. It's a highly transmissible virus, but it only kills 0.003% of people who catch it. And that's got to be by design. It's designed. It was, I firmly believe with my tinfoil hat on that it was made in that lab. And whether or not it was deliberately released, I couldn't swear to. But the, the virus is so effective at passing from human to human that it has to be by design nothing in nature is that efficient to, to my mind so yeah the point i'm trying to make is 
whatever argument we come up with, the scientists who are part of the problem, they'll counter that. And because they've got the credibility of being a member of SAGE, for instance, or, or a direct advisor to the president of the US, they will be taken seriously. So what can we do? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can listen to UK government scientists such as the likes of a woman by the name of Susan Hopkins, who is a specialist in infectious diseases at Public Health England. And she has said that Britons should wear masks made with at least two. Where have we heard this one before, Bruce? You ready for this? Made with at least two or even three layers and left open the possibility that the UK might follow the US's lead and recommend double masking. This is the first time. The only reason I bring this up is because this is the first time we've been seeing this agenda outside the US. In the US, while you were on your hiatus there, they were promoting in the news, depending on which one you so-called news, depending on which network you watched, they were saying, well, they're still holding strong to the double masking. But it was, well, no, uh, two is not going to do it. If you really want 97% protection, then you need three, three masks. And if you really want to be almost 100% guaranteed protected, then you need four masks, four, you need to wear four. So now you've got uh, this specialist from your uh, public health England saying that you need to be wearing two or even three layers. And it's possible that they could be recommending the double masking in, uh, in the UK in the coming days, based on what I'm seeing here. Which we already know that those things don't work anyway. There's no evidence. There's no paper. There's no peer. And any of the peer reviewed papers that do come out saying they don't work, they're ignored. They're ignored. Or the difference in the transmission level is so negligible that it's not even worth even making the recommendation. Well, it, we did actually see a, a paper on it here recently that came out that the, the media and everybody jumped on. And it was one of, I don't remember if it was the CDC or it was. I think it, maybe it was the NIH that did the research on it. And uh, they did some testing with the masks and shown that the masks were actually effective. Um, the the catch is they used mannequins for the test. Um, sorry, but breathing, I mean, they didn't have any kind of simulation for breathing on those mannequins, right? I, I would have been more accepting if they would have had some kind of mechanism to, you know, uh, replicate breathing, you know, in a, in, a, in a laboratory sense. But the problem is, when you look at the masks, especially the quality that most people wear, and you go to the wonderful repository of data, uh, Google, and just Google that in, the organization that we say has been regulating data and information, yeah, they haven't been stopping the information of telling you how effective those masks are. Mm-hmm. And even the best mask, the N95s, are incapable of stopping COVID-19. Actually, well, when we've had Mike on and he talks about the work that he does, he wears the full respirator with the canisters. And he says, that's not even going to stop it. The P100 or, or whatever it is, that's not even going to stop it. You can't stop normal ecology to steal his thunder because he's not here. But they're saying this, right? This is the agenda. <laughs> Marty's holding his mask up. They're saying that they're pushing this agenda in the US and of course the UK. Now what are they saying in the UK? They're saying people should, if they're out jogging or if they're out riding a bicycle for their exercise to come out of house arrest, wear a mask if you're jogging. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? Now, I've worn a mask. I mean, you, you guys know how that is. I mean, but that's for training, right? That's for training purposes, right? It's the surgical silicone and all the rest of it. You know, it's a it's an actual athletic training mask. There is a difference in this. That is a device that is used in a controlled environment with professionals around in case something goes wrong. 
and it has to be done in a certain manner. You have to be worked into it in a certain manner with a certain amount of time and a certain amount of resistance because you're changing what your body can process. You're changing the amount of oxygen that your body can intake and how it can process it. So there's a difference in these two things. You can't just strap a mask onto your face and go and work out. You're going to get hypoxia and you're going to pass out. These these people. Politics are fueling science. And if that's not dangerous enough, they're, they're putting you in a position where you can compromise your own health to a point where it could cause you real harm other than COVID. It's foolish. It's foolish. And so I, I guess I, I'm looking, I'm thinking of this like if this were to happen to me, if I were to go outside and I were to get approached by one of these, these um, jackbooted thugs we call police officers these days, these COVID cops, and if they come up and say, why aren't you wearing a mask? Uh, I'm, I'm jogging. And it's it's like you just take five minutes, take five minutes, do some research, you thick headed moron. Do you have any idea how dangerous that is? Common sense does not play a part in any of these decisions. None of them. Putting the, the, the hypoxia side uh, of the argument um, to one side, you also have the issue of um, respiratory diseases that you're going to trigger because of the, uh, the, the, the mask and it's containing all of that humidity and the the all the other bacteria that you're already exhaling anyway right that's part of the process you're yeah. you're expelling waste from your body or or things that are toxic co2 is technically toxic to us well technically oxygen is too but that's a, that's another this is story, why but. this is why it needs to be done in a controlled environment so those things can be monitored if you have if need be and if something goes wrong then you have to take certain steps in order to make sure that you're safe I guess that's the right word, because I found myself in a couple of cases where I've been in some real trouble. Uh, and if I didn't have trainers around me to instruct me on how to handle that, then I would have been in uh, a real mess. But th this idea that they're pushing all this, you know, two masking, three masking, two masking, three masking, whatever in the hell, four masking in these idiots in the U.S. Do any of these people know anything about medicine or science? I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I have enough common sense and wherewithal to understand that I'm not going to put myself in harm's way to fuel some political agenda. I'm not that stupid. But to the other point here, here's the other problem they're running into. Of course, you're being told, well, uh, here's the vaccine, right? Here, here's the vaccine. They're dangling it in front of you like a carrot and a stick. Here's the vaccine. Yeah, this will get you out of it. This will stop you from wearing the mask. But now you're still going to have to wear them. A quarter, a quarter, 25 percent of the London NHS staff have refused to take the COVID vaccine, any of them. That's interesting. I'd have to double check the facts on that, but it strikes me that people who are medical health professionals should be skeptical of this vaccine, the way it was rushed through, yeah. which they'll deny, oh no, it wasn't rushed through. They've been looking for a cure for decades. Yeah. That's the problem and, they're having here. The the healthcare workers yeah. don't want to take it and the police don't want to take it either. So you got a real problem who, on your hands. Who was the the guy we were talking about earlier? I heard an interview of uh, Sir Desmond Swain. That's what it was. Uh, I heard an interview of him recently from an American podcast. And he was saying that, he was confirming this, that this is the, it's the uh, younger, healthy healthcare workers that are refusing to take it, right? They're like, I don't need it. I'm, I'm the least at risk. I don't need it. And th he was saying that maybe we should look at um, passing a law that requires them to take this or you no longer work here. Yeah, well, you see, here's the thing. Those younger NHS workers may decide, I don't want the vaccine, A, because I'm you know healthy and young and not likely to die, even if I do catch COVID. The other thing is they're thinking, well, 
rather than give me the vaccine, give it to somebody else who is vulnerable and and does need it. So it could be that altruistic way of looking at things. But another thing to consider is those younger members of the NHS also maybe want to have kids one day. And with the suspicion on the possible effects of on fertility that some of these vaccines may have could be shaping their thought process that way. So um, it doesn't surprise me that maybe a quarter of, of the staff are, are declining the vaccine. But I would li- I'd, I'd like to, to actually verify that some way. That's an article that's coming out of uh, Breitbart, uh, by the way, if you want to look that up. That's where I started. They're also saying this out of the Daily Mail. Also, they're saying that NHS staff could be forced to have a COVID vaccine. Uh, there's a radical plan that's being considered for thousands of medical staff who turned down the vaccine. Uh, they're saying that uh, they're, they're reviewing vaccine passports, which means you'll probably get them, uh, to consider if NHS staff should be obliged. And they're saying now that as many as 200,000, again, this is out of the Daily Mail, as many as 200,000 NHS and care home staff have refused the vaccine thus far. So what what are they going to do? What is the, the next step? The next step will be exactly that, the passport, have the vaccine or don't work here. You know, when, when you sign on the dotted line into the armed forces, you give away quite a lot of your rights for the job. That's not the same in, in the civilian world, the, in the civilian services, within the police force, within the, you know, the medical healthcare professionals. They haven't signed those rights away. So it would be totally wrong to force anyone who doesn't want to have a vaccine to have the vaccine. Yeah, and they're not anti-vaxxers. They're just anti-this-vax. Yep, same as us. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm anti this vaccine for a good reason. You know, one of the things that we talked about in the last week or so, the mRNA vaccines, they've never been approved. And to this day, they've never been approved. Think about that. Think about that. These vaccines are not approved. They're operating under emergency authorization. Please do your homework on the differences of those two. So it allows them to skip all of the uh, the trials and study the long-term effects and all the rest of it. But more to the point, do you know why an mRNA vaccine has never been given approval? Because all of the animal test subjects that they've experimented on with the mRNA vaccines have died. They've never made it to the human trials. They um, said that they conducted some uh, human trials here in the UK. They did. Uh, and and I believe there were some deaths amongst yes. the test subjects. Yep. We read about those. We covered that. Yeah. So who wants, unless it's going to cure cancer, unless it's going to make me better looking, unless it's going to reverse the the aging process, who wants their DNA to be even minutely changed? We are who we are. DNA screening for genetic disorders and things like that, there's such a strong movement or was a strong movement against it because people would suddenly have very tough choices to make rather than just be faced with a problem. If you're pregnant, you know, and and you uh, take like an amniocentesis test and, and take cells from that fetus and analyze them to see what possible conditions they might have, people would be aborting babies, you know, but when when they were given those choices. I think any change to your DNA is a mistake and you get what you're given 
And most of the time, it's a happy combination of two sets of DNA. Other times, there are problems. But people shouldn't be making those choices. You, you get what, you, what you're given, basically. And I don't think it's right to force people to take a vaccine that potentially changes your DNA. I agree, sir. I couldn't have said it better. All right. Uh, we're out of time. Great to have you back again, Marty. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Can we talk about something cheerful next time? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I w- since you're back now, uh, I want to set up a Room 101 next week. Uh, we need to get Jason yeah. back. He's our judge. Uh, we need some comedy. Yeah. We need a relief and we need, we need to take a break. So um, we, need to, uh, we need to sit down and we'll run over on time. We'll get started a little bit earlier uh, next time if you like. Maybe, yeah, we can do a, sure. maybe we can do a two-hour show. Uh, on Room 101, we can get some more people in if you like, uh, or we yeah, can that, cover it, some more topics, you know, because we we do need a legit reprieve for a little bit. We need a couple of days to laugh. Yeah, th- that's what we need. We, we need humor, uh, frivolity, and whimsy. That's what we need. <laughs> yes, we do. So thank you guys for sitting down today. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, we are promoting our Telegram channel. We've had a lot of new subscribers in the last few days. Thank you all very much. It means a lot to us. Uh, for those of you who have not joined Telegram yet, I have no idea what you're waiting on. Get signed up to Telegram. Get over there. Get registered. Give us a look up when you get over there. Search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. We'll pop right up. Subscribe to us. You'll get all of our podcasts we put out every day. And you'll also get an exclusive podcast that we put out once a week. And Bruce and I will be on that tomorrow. Of course, Marty, you're cordially invited if you'd like. You don't have to. Yes, those are the uncensored days. Those are those are fun. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Yes, uh, I do but, enjoy uncensored. Yeah. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips.dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and Marty, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. We will see you on the exclusive if you're signed up to us on Telegram. We'll see you tomorrow. If not then everyone have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday.